The reading is taken from the Gospel of Luke, starting chapter 7, verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. <clears throat> you have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my, hair, wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Janet, and very good morning to you all. Um, it would be a great help this morning if we could each please turn to Luke chapter 7 in our Pew Bibles. That's on page 1036. Do please, uh, do please get Luke open. And as you're doing so, I'll pray for God's help, that as we look at this wonderful passage, that we will hear his voice. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the living God. We thank you that you are the God of all eternity. We praise you that you are compassionate and gracious and trusting, our Father, in your love and mercy. We ask that you would speak to us today as we look at your word. And we pray that we would love Jesus even more and understand him truly for who he is. For your name's sake we pray. 
Amen. Verse 48. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And verse 50, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What incredible statements. No wonder that in verse 49, people were asking, who is this who even forgives sins? Well, this morning we're going to look at this incredible narrative in Luke chapter 7. And we're going to consider more about these three figures particularly. The questioning Pharisee, the sinful woman, and the merciful Savior. And we'll consider what meaning Jesus promises of forgiveness, of salvation and peace. What meaning they have, those truths have, upon our lives Well, before we'll dive in, some context, I suspect, will be useful. Um, If you were here last week, you'll you'll know, you'll remember perhaps, that we're in a series in Luke's Gospel, and we're finding out more about various people encountering and meeting with the Lord Jesus. And Luke's Gospel, in these early chapters, poses two big questions. Uh, First question, is Jesus God's promised king? Is, Is Jesus God's promised king? And secondly, what's his mission? Well, the immediate context of uh, chapter 7, and it might be helpful if you'd like just to perhaps flick back with me. Chapter 7 helps us, and Jesus is meeting a number of people. So we see Jesus applauding the faith of the centurion in those early verses. There's an intriguing uh, relationship uh, and a conversation um, with the centurion. The centurion's friends, the Jews, are pretty insistent that... He deserves, he deserves Jesus' help. But actually in verses 6 and 7, the centurion is crystal clear. I'm not worthy, he says. I don't deserve you. But actually that centurion displays remarkable faith in the Lord Jesus. Only say the word. Only say the word. And my servant will be healed. Uh, Jesus encounters a little later a desperate situation that a woman has lost her only son. And the Lord Jesus, with just a touch, a hand on his coffin, his funeral bar, he raises that dead son and restores him to life and gives him back to his dear mother. No wonder then, at this stage already, do please look down to verse 16, a number of people were filled with awe and they were praising God, a great prophet, has appeared among us. They said, God has come to help his people. And I wonder perhaps whether a number of these people were thinking back to the promises that God had given Moses back in Deuteronomy 18. I wonder if you perhaps remember them. Deuteronomy 18 and chapter 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, from among you, from among your fellow Israelites, you must listen to him. And then the Lord goes on. The Lord said to me, he says to Moses, what they say, sorry, um, let us hear the voice of the Lord our God. And he says that this, this man will have the words in his mouth from God. There's a call to listen. 
as the prophet speaks in God's name. And I wonder, even at this stage, it appears that some people in this community were wondering, is Jesus God's promised king? Well, these discussions go on. In chapter 7, he meets with some of John the Baptist's servants. And as he does so, he answers those questions and he heals and restores the sight of others. And we see a divided community. We see a divided community with others towards the end of those verses in verse 30, who are asked instead, who are rejecting, these Pharisees who are rejecting Jesus. And we would have seen last week in chapter 5 that a number of these Pharisees were already questioning Jesus, that they did not think that he was God's chosen promised king because he was eating with sinners, people like Levi, tax collectors, and others. Some of these people were self-justified, rejecting Jesus. So we see a divided community. Is Jesus God's promised king? What is his mission? And, and how can we know for sure? Well, like a, a good historian, what Luke is doing for us is that he's spoken to the eyewitnesses. He's written an orderly account. He's done his research so that we can know for ourselves. Well, let's get, at, let's get into our passage. Please look down to verse 36. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Well, at one level, especially given what we've just been thinking about, this seems pretty extraordinary. Many Pharisees had, of course, have been rejecting Jesus. They were the religious zealots. They were trying to obey every single one of, Jesus, of God's laws. They were trying to keep themselves pure. But perhaps Simon the Pharisee had heard about Jesus. Maybe he'd seen some of these amazing miracles. Maybe he'd heard him teach. Well, we don't know the details. But this questioning Pharisee invited him to a dinner party. Um, very different to a Winchester dinner party. Um, one suspects there was no champagne, uh, no Scottish smoked salmon, no double damask napkins, no formal dining room perhaps. But instead, reclining on their left-hand side, helping themselves to delicious Mediterranean nibbles with their right, with their heads towards the table so they could talk to the fellow guests, and their legs outstretched. It would be in a courtyard. And actually, interestingly, these sorts of dinners were often a sort of open house, so people could wander in and listen and overhear the conversation. So we can picture something of this scene. And Simon, the questioning Pharisee, perhaps wanted to ask the Lord Jesus some genuine questions, maybe along those lines of those questions I posed earlier and that Luke poses for us. Is Jesus God's promised king? What is his mission? We don't know for sure. Maybe he wants to be quite aggressive, but maybe he was intrigued, interested, wanted to know personally for himself. We don't know. But as we return to the scene of Simon the Pharisee's swanky townhouse, we can imagine that perhaps just as Simon was getting ready to ask Jesus some questions, then all of a sudden he notices something unbelievable is happening. Let's turn to verse 37. 
A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. And so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Not only had a woman walked into Simon the Pharisee's house, but this woman was notorious. We could perhaps imagine Simon thinking these things. Her life was scandalous. The talk of the town. The sinner was gate-crashing this dinner party. Simon was a Pharisee. He couldn't possibly socialize with her. And what on earth is Jesus doing? Verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Well, we don't know exactly how Luke, the gospel writer, knew what Simon the Pharisee was thinking. But we know that Luke had done his research. Maybe they talked later. But I wonder at that scene, at that moment, was Simon minded to challenge this woman? Was he minded to order her out or perhaps call the servants to do so? But Jesus knew exactly what was on Simon's heart and what was in his mind. And so he tells him a parable. Verse 40. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. And that's the equivalent of about 18 months' wages for a worker or maybe about two or three months' wages. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. And so rather than being questioned by the Pharisee, as Jesus so often does, he asks that questioning Pharisee a question in turn. Now, which of them, which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And as Jesus was reclining, still with his head towards Simon, he one perhaps we can imagine he half turns towards the woman, loving him at his feet. He turns to her. Do you, do you see this woman? Well, perhaps Simon was livid. He couldn't, he couldn't have missed her. And Jesus draws the contrast between this woman at his feet with Simon the Pharisee, his host. Verse 44. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head. But she has poured perfume 
on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. Jesus knew she was a sinner. He knew everything about her. But as verse 47 shows, something had happened to this woman. Yes, she had been living a sinful life. But Jesus says clearly, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. She knew she was in desperate need, in desperate need for forgiveness and from Jesus. And she responded to Jesus in humility, in faith and in devotion. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus says, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But someone who thinks they've got no need to be forgiven won't show much love. And Simon the Pharisee had not shown Jesus much love or much hospitality. I wonder what Simon thought about this. Did he think that he didn't need forgiveness? And how about us? What do we think? As a Pharisee, Simon would have known the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. Was he perhaps feeling self-justified? Was he thinking, I'm not that bad. I'm not like this woman. I've never committed a crime. I keep the law. I'm a Pharisee. But actually, questions of comparison are irrelevant. It's the wrong question to ask if we're thinking, who is the biggest sinner? And actually, perhaps sometimes in our own minds, we might be tempted too to be a little like this. Think about those drunken party goers in town last night. And did you see what they were wearing? We can't puff ourselves up when we hear some of those foul-mouthed sports fans we might be thinking in the pub or at the sports club. Did you hear what they said? And what about the king's guests, detained at his pleasure, just up the road? Can we sometimes, in our own minds, in our own thoughts, be tempted to be a little pharisaic ourselves? I wonder. I wonder. No, the question, the question isn't who is the biggest sinner. The real question that Jesus is asking us is do we know that our sins are forgiven? Do we? Do we know that our sins are forgiven? Simon the Pharisee would have known the law. And he remembered King David and that amazing psalm, Psalm 51, when David says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. And King David said, Against you, you only have I sinned. And the Lord Jesus' hand-picked apostle, the Apostle Paul, picks up this theme in his book of Romans. He says, all have sinned. All have sinned. No one, no one is righteous. No, not one. No one seeks for God. And the Apostle Paul asks his readers to consider their speech, their lies, their swearing, their bitterness. The Apostle Paul encourages them to, to ponder their actions 
the attitudes of their hearts and their minds. And we think of Jesus' golden rule, to love the Lord with all our heart and to love our neighbours as we love ourselves. And so coming face to face with Jesus, I wonder how Simon the Pharisee felt. And I wonder about each of us. Do we see exposed before the Lord Jesus, the merciful Saviour, the sin problem that each of us has? Imagine, please, I don't know whether you still use DVDs and those wonderful box sets, or perhaps if you're into Netflix sets and fantastic series, but just imagine, if I may, imagine there's an episode for each of our days. There's an episode available on Netflix or a DVD publicly for everyone to watch of your life yesterday. And there's an episode for Friday and Thursday and Wednesday and Tuesday and Monday and all of last week and last month and last year. What would we be ashamed of in front of other people? What would we be ashamed of in front of the Lord Jesus Christ? So the bigger question, friends, isn't does someone have a bigger sin problem than me? Friends, the, the big question is, do we know that our sins are forgiven? This is the issue. And this is what makes Jesus' declaration of the woman's forgiveness so significant. Friends, do please look down to verse 47 again. Verse 47. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. And verse 48, Jesus says again, your sins are forgiven. Well, we don't know what Simon thought of this, but we, 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 do, we do hear what some of his guests thought, don't we? Perhaps we can imagine glasses being knocked over in disgust. The olives are going everywhere. Who is this? They say, who is this who even forgives sins? But Simon's guests, of course, were right. Only God can forgive sins. And so here's the answer to the first question. Is Jesus God's promised king? When Jesus says your sins are forgiven, he's declaring, yes. Yes, he is. The Lord Jesus is indeed God's promised king. He is the Christ. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Only Jesus can forgive sins. Because only he's God. And only Jesus can forgive sins because actually it's the Lord Jesus who on that day of days we will meet face to face and we will be held to account to him. He won't be seated in the great hall up the road. The Lord Jesus will be seated on his eternal throne still bearing the wounds of the cross in his hands, his side and his feet. Only Jesus can forgive because only he will judge. Yes, Jesus is indeed God's promised king. And secondly, what about his mission? Well, he tells us, doesn't he, in verses 48 and 50. 
or joy. He says to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What a wonderful mission that the Lord Jesus has to bring forgiveness, to bring salvation, to bring peace. Jesus knew why he left heaven and came to earth. It was to come to the cross. Again, if I can quote Paul, the Apostle Paul, he explained Jesus' mission like this. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What a joy. Forgiveness, salvation, peace. All a free gift through faith in Jesus. The woman didn't earn it. We can't contribute towards it. But let's not forget those words. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So there could be no dispute, no arguments, no doubt. Her life was transformed in her position before God from being rightly guilty to being fully forgiven. And actually, do we see how she's transformed? We shouldn't be calling her the sinful woman. We should be calling her the forgiven woman. Forgiven. Saved. At peace with God. And see how she responded to Jesus' forgiveness and his love. With a lavish outpouring of love. What incredible devotion. What an example and a challenge to us. And so, what about us? What about us? God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Friends, I know that so many of us here have taken that step of faith. We are trusting, many of us are trusting in the Lord Jesus as our personal Saviour and Lord. Trusting in his sin-bearing death upon the cross, taking the punishment due for us. Can you, friends, can you hear those loving words of the Saviour spoken this morning directly to you personally? Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. If we're in that position, friends, we should have such assurance. We are forgiven. We are saved. We do have peace. It might be that this morning as well. Some of us are thinking deeply about Jesus. We're thinking perhaps about his work, his teaching, his mission, his identity. Firstly, thank you for being here. We're delighted that you are here. And can I perhaps just for a moment speak directly to you personally? If this is you, if you haven't yet made that step of faith, but you're thinking about Jesus, can I encourage you personally, please, keep going, keep thinking. Uh, secondly, perhaps you might find it useful, I'm sure you would, to read a gospel about Jesus for yourself, personally. We're looking at Luke at the moment. Perhaps you might like, over the course of the next few weeks or months, to be reading Luke for yourself. And thirdly, may I invite you to, to join us at Alpha on Wednesdays. It's a wonderful informal opportunity to 
look at the person of Jesus to ask questions, to discuss, to think, reflect, and to meet with others as we do so. Very informal, very friendly. You'd be hugely welcome. It's on Wednesday evenings. It's only just started. And if you'd like to join us, do please come and talk with one of us, perhaps Chris or myself or one of us. It might be even today that one of us wants to make that step of faith. Maybe you've been thinking about the Lord Jesus for some time, maybe even some years. But actually, maybe it's only now that you've come to see that Jesus truly is God's promised king, that his mission is to bring those wonderful gifts of forgiveness, salvation, and peace. Well, if you want to make that step of faith, we'll be praying in just a moment, and it might be that now would be a time for you to come to Jesus, to ask for forgiveness for yourself, and in such assurance, knowing that he is God's promised king. The Lord Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let us pray for a moment. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Our Father, we thank you so much that you sent the Lord Jesus as your promised king to earth to die in our place on the cross. Thank you that he did so in love and mercy for this woman who we've been reading about and indeed for each of us. And we pray, Father, that you would give us the faith in Jesus, trusting in his kingship and rule, trusting in his cross that it has, that he has fully dealt with our sin and in, our, in, in the gifts of forgiveness and salvation and peace that he gives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.